Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. And I am really, really excited to have an English person on the show today, even though you're not in England and we're in completely different time zones. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I know we got introduced by Chris Ross yep. and then you appeared on um, his show, Win Win Effect. I think it was under episode 141. Um, but I'm... Just want to ask the listeners if they've ever known anyone that's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk, sent people to the bottom of the ocean to look at the Titanic um, or on the seabed or closed museums in Florence for a private dinner with Andrea Bocelli serenading them whilst they ate pasta. Then you just have met the guy now, Steve Sims, which I just think is fantastic. He's quoted as the real life Wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur magazine. He's a best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, which I know has been an amazing bestseller. He's sought after coach, top-rated speaker in the US, including keynoting at the Pentagon and Harvard twice. What an amazing accomplishment. Kind of cool, kind of cool. I, I, it's funny. I know it's my bio, but I'm like, well, that guy sounds interesting. That can't be me. So it's always funny when you hear these things. <laughs> I'm really curious how you um, got to where you've got to today, because I know you've been on a bit of a journey. But before we dive into your journey and talk about your new book, which is coming out on the 18th of October, um, I'd love to know, because this show is all about brain health, mm -hmm. what does optimal brain health mean for you personally in the context of your journey? I think it's, it's you can only answer that when you've kind of done it badly. You know, <laughs> things reveal themselves. And I think the maximum way to keep my brain going is to stay aggravated and to stay curious. Now, children up until, say, the age of five, we're curious about everything. We want things. We have no decorum, subtlety. I want a lollipop. I want to go and play football. You know, we have that kind of energy. And then as parents, and I'm a parent as well, we kind of dull it down a little bit. You know, you got your little boy running around with a pillowcase on his, on his neck, pretending to be a superhero. And we go, oh, what are you? I'm a superhero. And we, yeah, that's, yes, you are. And then if they're doing that at 18 years old, we put the kibosh on them and go, hey, grow up, act your age. We kind of kill that curiosity. So I think brain health for me is to stay curious, to stay energized. And here's a key word, to stay aggravated. Aggravation isn't violence. Aggravation is that point of agitated. I just want to do this. I want to raise my standards. I want. I demand a better relationship. I demand a better waistline. I demand a better a diet. That agitation is what gets us to move. So I would say agitation and curiosity, that's my brain health. I love, do you know, I love that nobody's uh, said agitation at all on the show, which is a really new one for me. But I, lo I love that you said that because it's kind of that underlying energy, isn't it? That you have to keep doing, you, you, you're never done. <laughs> No, you're never done. It's a new benchmark. You see, I've, I've, I've done kickboxing. I've done motorcycle racing. I still race motorcycles. And I'm not good enough. 
And every time I'm on the track and there's someone in front of me, that one's better than me. He's better than me. He's better than me. I've got to catch him. You catch him. That's your now new normal. That's your <laughs> new level. And then there's someone else ahead of you and you go, I want to catch him. So it's the same with me in business. You know, I was a bricklayer from East London. I'm now living here in Los Angeles in the sunshine, you know, having conversations with you and other people around the world. If I compared myself to that person, I've, I'm leaps, I'm leaps and hills above that. Yeah. But there are still people that I look up to and I go, right, I want to catch up to his, his coattails. You know, I want to be as good as him. And it's that aggravation that goes, I want to be better. So whenever you catch up, that just becomes a new benchmark, the new normal. I love that. I love that. And it just brought out a, a real memory for me when you were talking about like racing bikes. As I remember that um, several years ago now, my husband and I, we had this opportunity to take the lift down the mountain or go on monster trotters, which are like these off-road um, scooters. And and we whizzed down, but I'm a competitive little person and these kind of devil horns came out <laughs> and I wasn't content unless I was able to win. <laughs> so we were racing, you know, handlebars side by side coming into a sharp corner um, and my husband just couldn't believe that I was, I was, you know, there trying to uh, beat, beat everyone else down the mountain on. And I think it, you know, it's that, isn't it? It's, it's that wanting to, get to that next level, wanting to outperform, wanting to reach where someone else is at. And and, and un, I think for me, it's kind of understanding where your limits are and put, pushing beyond them. I think so. I think the first thing, yeah, people pay too much attention to their limits. Um, it's like trying to run a race while looking at your feet. You can't do it. Um <laughs> And I think all of this kind of like know your limits, know what you're capable of, know your ability, stick within your lane. Screw all of that. If someone said you've got no limits, you've got no parameters, you've got no ceiling, yeah. you've got no benchmark, you've got nothing holding you back. So I think when it's this case of like recognizing limits, don't recognize them. In fact, constantly ignore them. <laughs> because you'll find out what your new benchmarks are, what your new normal is. And if you're aggravated enough, you'll constantly raise that bar. Yeah. Do you know, I, I think that's so true. And I want to go back to the like the children analogy is that we we dumb down what we're capable of, don't we? At some point in our lives, somebody tells us, oh, oh, no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have do you, that. Have you ever noticed... <laughs> Have you ever noticed the most successful people have? Have you ever noticed that those people telling you you can't do that can't? Yeah. And so they don't want you being able to do it because it's going to show that they're inadequate. So they go, oh, no. And we got things like, you know, or oh, act your age and, you know, grow up and, you know, know your place. And all of these horrible one-liners which are controlling. But if you don't hear them, you're not held back. You just spring to your own step. Yeah, I love that. And, and so I, I'd love to explore your journey in the context of, of your definition of brain health. Could, could you take me back to a time when you were really agitated, it, oh, where God. things weren't <laughs> working out quite right? Because obviously you started off as a bricklayer and then there was a something shifted and now you're in LA. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, I don't think that aggravation 
has ever stopped. And you actually said at the end that, you know, can you take us back to a point in time that you were aggravated? Can you take us to a point in time when things aren't working right? Now, that comes down to settling. Uh, for argument's sake, I've got my book coming out. Um, and we're doing a lot of work on how we promote it, how we're... There's more work I'm doing on this book than I did on my first book because, quite simply, I didn't think anyone would get involved in my first book. So I didn't put any of the energy behind it. Became an international bestseller. So now there's a lot of setup and things are going wrong. And, of course, do I want to reach 10 people? No. I want to reach 10 million. Are the systems, is the workload, is the flow, is all of that set up? And we're testing it and things are breaking. So it's that agitation that's constant. You know, from a young lad, it just looked uglier. You know, when I was a young lad riding around on a motorcycle, tattoos, earrings, you know, no hair, I was aggravated because I had no money. I also yeah. never had any mentors. I never had any guidance. You see, we came from a time when we didn't have Instagram to show us how inadequate our life was. <laughs> we also didn't have YouTube to be able to watch people's speeches or podcasts to hear other people's views. We didn't have any of those things. Sure, we had books, but I wasn't very good at reading books, and books were for nerds, <laughs> I thought. So, you know, at the time, I was, I was a whole bundle of aggravation, energy, misguidance, um, and I didn't know where it was going. I got better, thankfully, only barely. Um, now I read as much as I can. I consume as much as I can. Videos, social, books, movies, documentaries, podcasts. I consume a lot to try and help me overcome that agitation. But as we said about the analogy of how you compare yourself to others and what your new standards are every time that aggravation causes me to go higher that's my new level sure. and then of course we never settle we want it to be better so it goes again so i'm in a constant state of aggravation but now i understand why and i it's like a spigot that you can turn off you it's can like go your superpower though isn't it it, it, it well, <laughs> you talk about superpower. Have you ever told? Have you ever heard the story about my superpower from my wife's perspective? Go on, tell it. I'd love to hear it. So I live in Hollywood, and so of course we got these things called actors all over the place. Um, and we had these two actors that were at a dinner party of mine just at the time the Marvel franchise was kicking off, and they were in one of the Marvel movies as new one of the. Uh, one of the superheroes. And uh, we had a guy and a girl there and they're very successful now. So I'm not going to call out their names, but they were at our, they were at our party and we'd all been drinking and he turns around and he's like, right, let's play a game. As you know, we're now superheroes. <laughs> if you had a superpower, what would it be? Or what is it? And they went around the table. Now, the good thing was I was, there was only about 12 of us. I was like number eighth or ninth in the line. So I got the chance to hear all of their superpowers before it got to me. Now, of course, you're at a dining room table with a bunch of your peers and people you look up to. So you want your superpower to be something like 
I want to rid famine with the wave of a wrist, or my superpower is I can see opportunities that other people... You wanted something that sounded intelligent. I had drank too many whiskeys and I couldn't think of anything. And so it's getting closer to me and I'm thinking, oh, shit, what's my superpower? And it gets to me and they're like, Sims, what's your superpower? And I'm like, well, you know, funny you should ask that. And I really couldn't think of anything. And my wife was next to me and she touches my arm and she said, hey, babe, I got this. And I'm thinking there's nothing better than your wife saying what your superpower is. Carries more credibility. She's my wife, so she's going to make me sound good. So I'm like, all right, hon, go for it. What's my superpower? So I'm thinking this is going to be good. You know, I'm going to look good here. So she went, Steve's superpower is ignorance. (laughs) And the whole room just went quiet. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to get a divorce. She's just called me ignorant in front. And you could feel the temperature of the table room and the little glances kind of like, oh, my God, are we going to see a a Sims argument? And I've been with my wife. (laughs) uh, We celebrated 30 years this year, and we were engaged seven years prior to that. So we basically joked we've been together since birth. Um, Wow. But as everyone was starting to kind of like go, oh, God, Steve's going to get into an argument now, and all that kind of thing, she went, whoa, hang on a minute. Has he ever done anything that you've gone, how the hell did he pull that off? You know, from going down to the Titanic, getting onto, you know, blockbuster movies, visiting the Pope, Elon Musk. Has he ever done anything that you've just questioned yourself and gone, how? Well, the reason he's done it is because he couldn't see any other way it was going to turn out. He was ignorant to those people laughing at him. He was ignorant to his abilities and his education. He just had this goal. He was locked and loaded, and he was ignorant to any of the other white noise. And, of course, when she put it like that, people were like, whoa, okay. So that was my superpower. I I, I grew up not caring about those people laughing at me. Still, today, I go, I'm going to do that. I can't hear any of those people around me naysaying it. I just focus and flow. I lo- do you know I love that, and I wish more people could hear that because so many people in the you know in the context of brain health get completely hung up by what other people think of them, think they might think of them. You know that we have this negative self talk that plays round and round in our minds, and it may be something that somebody said to us decades earlier but it becomes like a broken record of not enough, can't do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's uncanny. But that's, you know, I'm not looking to make this a segue, but it's got amplified that inability for us to move. It's got amplified. Stupidly, it's been with us for many, many years. But COVID has literally amplified our inability to communicate and our inability to strive for what we want, and our ridiculous ability to consume information, sound, noise, abuse, laughter, from arenas and areas that we shouldn't. And it's getting worse. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote my latest book on it, Uh, and that is my stupid goal, that I want people to stop listening to other people, including themselves yeah do you know 
that's so important isn't it because we can you know that bad relationship that we have with ourselves is often the oh. thing that actually tips over uh the apple cart of performance and and we're left up wallowing in the dirt but we think we're wallowing in somebody else's dirt that they've kicked in our face and actually we kicked it in our own face that that statement there the relationship with ourselves that that is beautiful um well done it it is stupid it is stupid it is ridiculous how we actually build in our own limitations where we build in our own worthlessness and then pay attention to it it came from nowhere the source is 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 not qualified but we suddenly believe what we tell ourselves and nine times out of ten we tell ourselves we can't and then guess what we're right so yeah you know well, it, whether it we can or we sense. can't we're right <laughs> yeah. and what do you think like because obviously we've got a lot of people who are entrepreneurs that listen to this show. What, what do you think, particularly for, well, let's not, not pick a generation because it's irrelevant, really. What's really holding people back, do you think, in the context of, obviously, COVID? What's been the big showstoppers for people moving forward other than the relationship with themselves? What's, what's really fueling that fire of inadequacy or I'm glad. Enoughness? I'm glad that you corrected yourself on that generation because this problem's actually been with us forever. Yeah. Um, it's just COVID has amplified it. Now, we are all out there going, hey, me too. I'm going to stand up for women's empowerment. Asian hate, Black Lives Matter, yet we don't focus on one of the biggest toxic, the biggest toxicities and, and, and horrible cancerous growth going on which is the cancer cancel culture and the gotcha society. You yeah. see, what we didn't have that we have today, that we didn't have in the 60s, 70s, in any other generation, was distribution. You see, you do something stupid today in public, and by the end of that five minutes, you can literally be seen by millions across the planet that you've never met before, but they've now seen you fall over. You fall over in 1970, the only people that are going to see it are the people around you. That's so to, very true. <laughs> today what's happening is we're not worried about failing. We're not worried about falling over. We're worried about people seeing us. Yeah. And we put too much um, prestige in other people's opinions. We're growing up on a social visual society where you are graded on how you look and you show up. But let's be serious. You're not. You're not showing up. You know, you're leaning it up against a car you don't own. Uh, you're, you're stood outside a penthouse that you rented for the night on Airbnb. You're getting a picture on a private jet that doesn't even leave the runway, but you've rented it for a 30-minute photo shoot. <laughs> and you are being graded on what you look like. And so a lot of people today are frightened to actually do things. I mentioned COVID. Before COVID, we were getting pretty bad at communication. Okay? I totally agree with you. You know, I'm massively on your side here because people are really poor. And it's got worse that like, I agree with you on COVID. And let's run through it. Prior to COVID, we would have a baby. We would shove it up on Facebook. And if it didn't get a million likes by the end of the day, we were depressed. Okay? Yet, 
why would we be yelling out messages rather than having a conversation? That's not communication. So we were getting really bad at it before COVID. COVID came across. And then all of these people are going, oh, woe is me. I can't get out and connect anymore. Well, the truth is you were pretty shit at it before. And you've got all these people going, oh, my God, COVID. I can't go down to the gym. Well, your fat ass wasn't going to the gym before COVID. We've now just produced a pile of excuses for you. Yeah. Now, it doesn't matter what generation you, you came from. It doesn't matter, alive or dead. There has never been a time in the planet where we were united with a single cause that we all were being attacked by. Not in the world wars. No. Not, in, not in a plague. No. The, you could have made a random cold call to Australia, Korea, um, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Iceland, South Africa. You could have made a cold call to anywhere in the planet during COVID. And the person answering the phone, you could have asked them one question. Hey, how's COVID affecting you? And they would have had a response. Yeah. Now, you great. couldn't have made that call during the World War because during the World War, not all the countries in the world were part of it, you know? So you could have phoned up. No, exactly. So during COVID, we had a single situation that affected the planet. But rather than that bringing us tighter together, what did we decide to do? We decided to pull pedestals down. We decided to start an Olympic sport of what statue can we find that was inappropriate in 1912. It wasn't inappropriate in 1912. It's inappropriate today, but it wasn't educated then. It's like attacking yeah. cavemen for killing animals to eat. You know, we went out on a, on a march to try and find a cause and a protest. And what we did was we ended up therefore killing the core thing that makes us special, which is our ability to grow, which is our ability to make mistakes and our ability to learn from them. We would rather scorn and scoff. We would find something that you got up to in 1970 and then cancel culture would ruin your career for. And that's what stops us speaking. In a world where we need to have conversations about the black movement, Asian yeah. hate, me too, Trump, politics, war. We need to have these conversations. But because of the cancel, cancel culture and because of people wanting to laugh and ridicule each other, we actually avoid those conversations like the plague themselves. Which is cancelling the conversation in totality. <laughs> Rather than entering into a conversation and being able to say something, I would like to say something for, to you. And you're a smart lady. You'll turn around and go, well, actually, Steve, you've got that wrong. And I want to be able to turn around and go, I have? Bring me up to speed. Where have I got it wrong? And get educated from that conversation. But today, we actually avoid it. Yeah. I, do you know, I think that's so true. And, and we avoid everything to do with communication or connection um, from not turning our screens on when we're connecting with people, from cancelling meetings because it's convenient to do so because it's on Zoom and so it doesn't matter, to, you know, to all sorts of, <laughs> of things in between because it's because people don't, I think also people's 
forgotten the value of time as well as the value of the person. Yeah, time's a very time's a very important one, and that's why I loved COVID. COVID gave me three extra days a week. I yeah. realized I couldn't travel anywhere. I couldn't yeah. fly anywhere. I couldn't try. I couldn't leave my house. And all of the people I wanted to do business with, they couldn't do it either. So the connections and communication I was having during COVID has never been more intense and never been more dense with the amount of people I could connect with in one day. It yeah. was phenomenal because we can make more money. We can make more impact, but we can't make more time. But during COVID, we were given that time. And what yeah. did most of society do? And I'm talking to some of the idiots out there now that probably regret it. But how many people did we see go on Facebook and go, hey, what should I binge watch on Netflix? I've gone oh, through Ozark. Yeah. I've done the reruns of Sopranos. What else can I watch? That was our goal. How can I waste life? But yeah. for me, it was how can I make COVID being done for me? Not to me. How can yeah. I have made COVID be my benefit, be my friend? And I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I wrote the book because yeah, of loads of people, you know, in your in your sphere, of course, wrote, wrote books. You know, there's been a dearth of books from, from COVID because people, like you say, have had the time to write them. The time and the energy been, and the aggravation, yeah. Yeah, because they've not been putting their energy into into other things that have been more 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 consuming, as it were. Um I'd love to I'd love to learn uh from yourself is because we all love to learn from each other, don't we? What what in what inspired you or drove you or agitated you <laughs> uh to move from being a bricklayer? What was the catalyst that moved you from that profession? And there's nothing wrong with being a big bricklayer, by the way, because I can't lay bricks for toffee. Um to 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 where you are today what really got you out of that space where where did it all start it's it's a it's a strange question um i wasn't happy with where i was but okay. there was a there was a pivotal pivotal day um as i grew up left school went straight on the building site with my dad my uncle my cousins and my granddad we were all working on the building site like so many family uh, bricklayers do yeah. and entrepreneurism is this little piece of dna in you that just goes hey this isn't for you there's <laughs> got to be something else and i couldn't find anyone to guide me or help me so i was very disgruntled and and aggravated and then one day my granddad was on the building site and it was raining and we were all wet and he's knocking onto his 80s big irish lump of a lad and I went up to him during the tea break time, and he's trying to get warm around the fireplace in this old caravan on the web, on the uh, building site. And I squeezed up next to him, and I said to him, Granddad, and this is a really rude thing to say to an 80-year-old man. I said, Granddad, did you ever think you'd be doing this at your age? And that's all I asked him. And he didn't even look at me. He just blew into his tea to try and warm up. And he said, Son, and I remember this, word for word he said son if you don't quit today you'll be me tomorrow oh and the entire caravan in my head went quiet wow and i was like whoa i was about 17 years old and i ran out to my dad and i said 
dad, I got to quit. And he went, why? And I told him what had happened. And he went, all right, you quit Friday. And that was it. Friday, I went off to try and find my own way, find my own path, have conversations with rich people. And I went off because I was aggravated enough to know that that wasn't where I was supposed to be. But you say about bricklaying, my dad was fine about me leaving. My granddad was fine about me leaving. My cousins were jealous that I'd had the balls to go. But my mum could never, ever settle for it. She never liked yeah. the fact that I didn't leave the... Uh, she never liked the fact that I left the family business. Um, it was very weird, but some people hated me for going. Some people understood. Some people were jealous. Um, but who cares? It's your life. We're all going to yeah. end up in the dirt. What's your st story when you do? So I wanted to find out how I could better my life. And of course, I did what everyone does when you try and better yourself. You make every mistake in the planet. Um, <laughs> you know, I released one book. I did all right, but I made mistakes releasing that book that hopefully I'm not going to make on this one. But I'll make new mistakes on this one. So mistakes are a constant education and you learn to accept and almost invite them. And if you're not learning... You're dying. So I, I really like the fact that I do things. And I go, oh, I should have done that. I'll do that next time. Or I'll coach someone on how to do it. Do you know, I love that because it's so easy, isn't it? I know I've come from a corporate culture where mistakes are like seeing as the dirt of the business. And oh, my oh, God, yeah. how could you make a mistake? You've got, an, you know, you, you misspelt something in your presentation or you didn't write the sentence properly yeah. or it wasn't the right color font or branding well, people, or something. People look at failure as something that shouldn't happen when failure is the education to make sure what you want to happen will happen. Yeah. And, and, and I want to draw on this because, you, you know, within your book, Go For Stupid, I know that you talk about this um, quite a lot. Uh, and in particular, the, the people that are successful, and we can take Edison, Thomas Edison as the <laughs> as the initial example, you know, who who had 999 or however many hundreds of attempts he had yeah. at making the light bulb, all of which people could perceive as a failure, but actually his perception was very different. It was just... <laughs> well, his, how many times did it go wrong when it's gone right? And the answer is, does it matter? Once you've got it right, you've got it right. Um, the one of the funny things is we talk, we corrected earlier regarding there's no generational change in this. Humanity loves to scorn and scoff. And you brought up Edison, you wouldn't believe, it, and it's in the book because I went through history to find out if this was just a problem that we've got today. Uh, it's just amplified today, but we can do something about it. Even Edison was actually protested by the candle union because they said that we don't want the light bulb to be built because it's dangerous. I just think that's... That's hysterical because there's been no fire that's ever been created via that compared to the amount of fires that were, were done by candles. Like the fire you know? of London. The fire of London, Boston, <laughs> all of these places burnt down because of candles not because of light bulbs, but people do that. I'll give you, I'll give you another one that'll be, um, that'll be paramount to your education on this. So let me ask you this. Where, where do you live, by the way? I live in Oxfordshire, but born in Essex. Don't let okay. that <laughs> Okay, that's fine. Do you have a car? I do, yeah. What car do you have? 
Uh, we have a camper van. You have a camper van. Do you want a truck? Uh, not really, no. I like the camper van. So you, you, you don't want a truck? I don't have a need for it because I go on adventures in a camper van. If I had a need for right. it, I'd get one. Or if right, I could okay. race it, I'd get one. <laughs> All right. Did you see Elon Musk when he unveiled his Cybertruck? Uh, I, I I did. I did. I heard, heard about this and I think it's brilliant. I'd love you to share the story, though. All right. So let me just let me just reaffirm this. You don't have an interest in trucks. You don't want a truck. You don't have a truck. But you saw him unveil and you're aware of him unveiling his Cybertruck. Yes, I am. Yeah. So the point is. As an entrepreneur, he caught the attention of people worldwide that didn't even have an interest yeah, yeah. in his product. Now, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to space, but I've heard of all of his space right. exploits and stuff okay. like that. <laughs> so he captured your, your attention. In the two hours that he did the unveiling online of his Cybertruck, he sold every single slot for a new Cybertruck before he even built the plant to make it. Okay. So let's, let's break this down. Let's labor on this point. <laughs> he caught the attention of everyone in the planet. He sold out of every single product before he even made it. But what was the news the following day after that unveiling? Can you remember what went wrong? Well, so someone threw a brick at the screen of the, the bulletproof screen and broke it. That was the headlines. <laughs> As an entrepreneur, he captivated the attention of the planet with a product that most of the planet didn't care about. But it still caught your attention. He sold out of every single product he had before he even made it. But the headlines didn't revere that because yeah. the headlines wanted to laugh at him. He threw a rock in a demonstration live at a screen because it was bulletproof screen and it went through. Now, I know we're being pedantic here and we're picking, but if your specifications require bulletproof glass, I think you've got bigger problems. And you but probably don't want a truck. <laughs> you, no, you need to move. The point is... That was what we wanted to, that is what we wanted to do. We would rather, rather than revere and provide accolades for this man, basically reinventing a vehicle, we wanted to find some way for him to be scoffed and scorned. And that's the planet we're in today. And I want to change it. My, I, I call this book, Go For Stupid. Anyone that we revere today, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, uh, Richard Branson, Jean-Paul de Jouria, Larry Page, Elon Musk, they have these stupid dreams and goals and aspirations. They go for them, they get them, and then they're revered. But anyone in your pub that comes yeah. up with an idea for a business, you'd much rather laugh at them than support them. And my big stupid goal is to get people to change the way they receive other people's aspirations and goals. I want to hear someone say, hey, I want to set up a line of hairdressers for ponies. And I want to be able to go, good for you. Why do you think you can do it? How do you, uh, how do you think you're going to go ahead? What can I do to support your goal? Yeah. I want us to actually challenge people to achieve their stupid goals rather than join the rest of the society 
and mock them while sitting on the couch with their hand down their pants, re-watching everything they can on Netflix. <laughs> Do you know, I love that. And I think it's so important. I think it's particularly important that it, we role model the way on that for, for all generations um uh, you know because I have my daughter saying mummy I want to go and be a a space person or an astronaut Uh, I want to fly to Mars I want to I want to go on the moon I want to do this I want to do that and my thing is brilliant if you want to do that Lily you go for it you know nothing is going to get in your way apart from your own mindset that's my daughter's name as well my daughter's called Lily is she (laughs) On a good day, she's called other words when she's a bad girl, but most of the time she's Lily. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think it's the same for people, you know, who are at the other end of the spectrum in, in terms of youngness. Um, you know, the, the young at heart people, of which hopefully it's most of us, um, yeah. who, who, who think that their time is up, like your, you know, like your granddad said. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it doesn't have to be. You know, we've got Mary Berry, for those that know yeah. Mary Berry, the ma- amazing Mary Berry. Obviously, the Queen was phenomenal in terms of what she accomplished in her role, which, uh, you know, which carried on until till the last day. Uh, uh, and it's finding those role models at any age of the generation to know yeah. that they never stopped. Um, the owner of Kentucky Fried Chicken, I think, didn't he? he oh, yeah, he was up in his 90s, yeah. Something. I, I've met so many people, in, well, not too many now because I refuse to associate with them, but I've <laughs> met people through my life that have been in their 30s and they're old. And I've met yeah. people, like I've got a friend of mine, Joel Weldon, who um, is my trainer for my speaking uh, engagements. And he's a very, very famous, well-known speaker coach. The guy's in his 80s, He will, and he does pro slalom skiing okay the guy's nuts for energy and i will put him up against a 19 year old any day of the week and my money's on joel so you really want to like not worry about the age you want to worry about the life in that age um and you want to live your life yeah it's health span not lifespan yes yeah i have a uh you know i have a little i have a goal and a vision of how I die. And I've always had this. And my goal is to end up in the dirt like everybody else. We die. I go up to the pearly gates, hopefully, if I'm lucky. (laughs) And I want St. Peter to be there at the bar with an old-fashioned, slide me the old-fashioned and go, well, you had some fun, didn't you? (laughs) And that's my goal. I want to make sure that all of my life as enjoyable, as challenging, uh, as educational as possible. And then I know I would have lived it. I'm not here to waste it. Do you know, I think it's so important that we live our life and have fun because we can get so easily, you know, going back to the cancel mindset and sit on the sofa and scratch your backside. It is, we just lose that sense of fun, don't we? We lose that sense of curiosity. We lose that sense of exploration. Push, pushing the boundaries that they don't have to be there in the first place, like you mentioned, seeing how far we can go, you know, and it, all of those entrepreneurs that you've mentioned have never stopped. No, they've never themselves. stopped. And that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, Go For Stupid came out um, 
at the beginning of COVID as quite simply quite rude, violent memes. Um, I was getting very annoyed at how bad we were getting at communication. I was getting very annoyed at all the absolute time wasters in there that wanted to waste our life by binge watching Netflix. Yet here's the thing for you. Did you know during the two years of COVID, there were more millionaires registered, new millionaires than at any other two year period in our life? No, I did not know that. That's amazing. And that was the BBC. That was at Google that. That was actually a BBC report because more people decided, okay, I've got this time. What can I do with it? Yeah. And that was the big difference. And so I was getting so annoyed. And then the cancel culture was coming up and let's pull this statue down because it was inappropriate in 1713. Most freaking things were inappropriate in 1713. So they're basically, let's, let's get rid of history. You know, yeah. we all screwed Rather up. In history. From it. Think about it. What are we going to be chastised with today in a hundred years from now as being barbaric? Yeah. You know, so in which case, you know, you've just got to go, hey, that was then. Let's learn from it. Let's not yeah. kill it. Let's not pull all the bloody trophies down and the statues. Let's use that as a point. Okay. During those times of uneducation and un inappropriate, whatever you want to do, this good was done out of it. Yes, there was, I, I guarantee you, I've done shit that's been inappropriate. Probably <laughs> we even all do. We all do. Yeah. And I'm not here to apologize for it. I'm here to get better. But at the same time, I do not believe the woke society is the benefit. I think if anything is the bane of what's going on and why are you all running around cuddling a tree and trying to say, you know, he, they, whatever. Let's have a communication. Let's, yeah. let's see if, if we can cure COVID. And then after that, let's see if we can find a cure for stupidity. That would be the real <laughs> blessing. Do, do you know what? I think it's it, it's so important. I want to go back to this communication and connection because, you know, going back round to people creating all of these excuses, I remember when it first kicked off and we were about to go into lockdown, I ran, I got busy on my computer and went door posting to create con a local network with the community that I lived in. Yeah. And yeah. we never had it. And now we're more connected as a community than we ever were before COVID be yeah. because we've you know, everybody within the neighbourhood has taken the time to get out of their front door and meet each, <laughs> meet each other. And that's beautiful. But again, that comes from aggravation. We yeah. realise, isn't it, isn't it sad that we have to lose something to realise its value? Yeah, it's very and true. What, do you know what's worse than that? Those people that don't recognise what they lost. Yeah. We lost, now, again, no disrespect. I know you're only about 28 years old. But we're uh, not getting I, any younger. Interested. You're a few decades out, but I love that. <laughs> we're not getting any younger. It's not going to be a case of the day that we die, we're not going to get someone come down and go, well, hang on a minute, you lost two and a half years with COVID. We'll, we'll tack that on. You've got another two and a half years. That's gone. It's absolutely gone. We lost it. Did we benefit from it? You did. And there yeah. were people there to go, hang on a minute, I lost the ability to connect, so I'm going to make something of it. And now you've got a community that is actually a community. It makes me laugh when people go, yeah, I've got a community. And you go, well, what's their last name? What do they like as their favorite drink? Do they like ketchup with their fries or not? And they know no information 
But just because they're in the same club, the same street, the same address, the same postcode, they think they are a community. But a community is people that can connect. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love to dive. I know we're, we're short of time. I just want to ask one question in the context of the five pillars of brain health be- before we wrap this up. Go for what, it. What's the craziest or most exciting thing you've ever done? And I know you've done some pretty far out ones there. So what's the oh, craziest one? The, 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 that, there's, no, there's no contest on that. Um, <laughs> walk up and talk to my wife. You know, the first day I saw her, like all, all men, when they see the one, you're terrified and you're shitting your pants and you're like, oh. And so that that was the bravest, most crazy thing I've ever done in my life. And hanging out with Bocelli and Elton John and, and Elon Musk and all those kind of things, that was a nice second. But no, it's, it's, it's that girl. Wow. Do you know, I, I love that because it, sometimes it's so hard to take that enormous leap, isn't it, that completely you know, has a stratospheric change on your life. And uh, so pleased that you did it, especially given yeah. the kudos that she gave me. Oh, God, <laughs> I actually, so I I dedicated my first book to her. Now, we have ghostwriters. Anyone out there that writes books knows you have ghostwriters that help you write these books. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would not allow the ghostwriter to help me with is the dedication to her. So the first book had a dedication. The second book has a dedication. So both of those were written by me, and you'll probably recognize that because the grammar's probably all to shit. But uh, (laughs) that's the only thing. So as she was reading and helping me with this book, um, when the book came out, she had never seen the dedication until she opened. And when I said to her, I'll read it, she was like, I've read it 20 times. I helped write the thing. I'm like, read it. And so as she opened it up, she saw the dedication. That was a nice moment. Oh, oh, that's really kind. My dad, when he wrote his first children's book, dedicated it to me, which was super kind because I helped him do it. So it means a huge amount. What, and what's your what's your wife's name? Claire. Claire. Well, so a make British, sure you a British lass. A British lass. So, I, Steve, before we go and yep. and uh, you leave your final parting words on how people connect with you, what one piece of advice would you give to anyone who is struggling with getting to that next level in life? Um, Got it. I got it. And it's not coming from Elon Musk. It's actually coming from my dad, who wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, My dad, one day, as we were walking through London on a building site, I was about 15 years old. I was doing summer work on the building site. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, son, remember this. No one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. And he took his hand off my shoulder and walked off. And I was like, where the hell did that come from? And it was just, I thought he'd been consumed by a fortune cookie. But then as the years went on and I kept on falling over and making mistakes, I realized I'll only drown if I stay there. So I'll, I'll give that one to my dad. Wow, that is a great piece of advice, Steve. How can people get hold of you? <coughs> I'm very easy. On this book, it says, and for those people listening, Steve D. Sims anywhere. D for dashing, <laughs> one M for Sims. If you're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere, just type in Steve D. Sims, you'll find me, or look up goforstupid.com, and you'll, you'll see all about the book there. 
So you heard it from Steve. You need to go for stupid. Make sure you get his book out on the 18th of October. Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this show. Remember, this show is all about brain health and chaining your pain. And Steve has been on here to show you how, in particular, from an entrepreneurial perspective. Thanks, Steve, for your time. Thanks for having me. 